Welcome to the Women's Health Wisdom and Wine podcast, a bi-weekly conversation with practitioners, providers, patients, and healers about complex reproductive medicine and women's health challenges, the value of an integrative approach to these challenges, many of the women's health topics you're already thinking about but uncomfortable talking about, and my personal favorite, wine. I'm your host, Dr. Lorena White, an integrative reproductive medicine and women's health provider, licensed acupuncturist, clinical herbalist, and a former labor support doula in the Washington, D.C. metro area. My goal is to bring women's health-specific evidence and expertise to the forefront of daily health and wellness news through informative conversations. If you have ideas, questions, and specific topics that you would like us to cover in future podcast episodes, please leave them in the comment section or send us an email. To learn more, visit the website at www. LorenaWhite.com. As you enjoy the podcast, conversations, and wine time, please remember that this podcast is not designed to be a substitute or a bona fide relationship with a licensed or certified healthcare professional. In today's episode, Christine Walker talks with me about emotions as a cause of disease, letting stuff go, and most importantly, advocating for yourself in a clinical setting. If you haven't heard a survivor story before, you're in for a real treat. Let's listen. Y'all, you're in for a treat. We've had some technical difficulties and now we're live. We're ready to get this started. Christine has been patient and here we go. We're knee deep in the throes of Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So to begin, Christine, tell us your story. Um, it's a little bit long, but we got I the was time. 30 when I was diagnosed. So, okay, good. <laughs> so I was 30 when I was diagnosed. Okay. So I was considered a young um, cancer survivor. Okay. I do not fit any of the risk factors. Mm-hmm. I had a child young. I was never overweight. I um, breastfed exclusively. Um, it's not under, we don't think it's in my family. I have a ridiculous amount of men in my family. Mm-hmm. I understand that men can have breast cancer, but we have never <clears throat> seen any patterns. Uh, I do not, uh, the the uh, genes that are associated with it, mm-hmm. there used to be only two, now there's several. Right. Um, I do not have that. So I was, I, I my, my breast would be extremely tender. Mm-hmm. And at the stage that I was diagnosed at, I, you do not feel cancer, right. but I just felt like something was wrong. I I was very aware of self exams, mm-hmm. but when I would do them in the past, I would just feel like my breasts were lumpy. Mm-hmm. I had dense breasts. I was young, right? And so I just couldn't understand like what I would be looking for. But I uh, I remember taking off my bra and doing a self exam because it was just bothering me, right? And I felt something that was distinct Mm -hmm. for the first time. And I was like, this feels like a lump. Mm -hmm. And um, I called my OBGYN. 
I used her as my general practitioner because I had nothing else wrong with me. Right. So I would do my annual and I, I, I was a little bit ridiculous. She lived, she, the hospital's quite close to my house. So I go for any and everything just right. to talk. To so, chat. I was just in the so, neighborhood. Um, I'm always in the neighborhood. You, you busy? You got anything going on? Right. <laughs> You want to bring some Starbucks? Yes, I mean, she would say, <laughs> right. So she she knew me, right. <laughs> and so I called her up, and I could I couldn't get to her mm-hmm. that day, and uh, it's because the uh, the front desk said, um, "Are you having your menstrual cycle?" I explained I wasn't. Mm-hmm. She said, well, let a whole cycle go before, because your breast changed within a month. Absolutely. And you may not see, you not you may not feel it. And I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. But something just right. didn't feel right. Mm-mm. It just, no, it didn't feel right. And I kept on touching that particular area because I was just like, oh no, this feels like a lump. So like, Right after my cycle, I called again, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Look, it's still there." Right. And I hate to say this, I really did love my OBGYN, but she assured me nothing was wrong. I went to get an examination, Ooh. and she Ooh. did her her job. You know, <clears throat> she was uh, touching all over, and she mm-hmm. felt what I felt, and she said, "It's not cancer because it's moving. A cancer doesn't move." Wow. But because I know how you are, I'm going to write a script mm-hmm. <laughs> so you can go downstairs to the right. the, mm-hmm. to the people uh, uh-huh. to get your sonogram so that you'll, you know, leave, leave us all alone right. kind of thing. I was like, that's cool. Yeah, I'm cool with that. <laughs> I, that's, and so... <laughs> so and, to, went, and to her and I didn't bring any yeah to her defense she knew how you are go ahead so she knew her patience yeah. <laughs> so she's like she's not gonna leave me alone yes. until she gets this done so I mean mm-hmm. it does speak for a relationship it didn't fit, fit the characteristics mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that are going right and wrong at this like not fitting the typical characteristics you're not at the typical age you know all the wrongs making the right but she did know you that you weren't going to let up until you had some facts to prove otherwise. So I'd I'd like that you continued going on, and I'd like that she realized we need to take this one more step so that we can all be on the same page. So that was good. Continue. Yeah, it was good. And so um, when I – maybe it was the next day. It's a small – hospital it was providence mm-hmm. i live in brooklyn providence no longer is a hospital i think it's just urgent care now okay but <clears throat> um so i went over there and i didn't bring anybody because my OBGYN really did assure me mm-hmm. and i did feel a little silly yeah but i still wanted to proceed yeah um so I went, and I do look younger than uh, – 30 is young anyways, but I look younger than I am, and I mm-hmm. also don't appear to look sickly. Right. I don't know what anybody would think cancer would look like because it doesn't really <laughs> look like anything. So um, I, I walk in, and there was um, a tech, and she was training someone, and I think they thought, what a great person to train on because she's <laughs> – not, you know, she's going to be uneventful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so they, I, I hear the, the tech teaching her trainee wow. and, um, 
she's, she's, she's going on and on and on. And all of a sudden she stops talking and she starts taking more pictures Oh, and she takes more pictures and it's really, really quiet. And then they say, get the radiologist. Mm. I'm like some, I'm like, okay, what the heck is going on? Were you familiar with those? Were you familiar with the terminology that they were using? Okay. I had zero idea. Mm-hmm. I just laid down. I was completely like, everything felt really like it's going to, you know, like it just, you know, just a normal day. Um, and like I said, because she was training someone, it seemed like this would be a, a boring session or something like that. So I wasn't really, cons- I was, I was trying to calm myself down. Right. But then when it got quiet and less conversation and a little bit more urgency, um, it's like she kind of told the, t- the trainee to step aside uh-huh. kind of thing. And then the radiologist comes and then <clears throat> they, they're again talking amongst themselves. And it was really quick. The radiologist... Am I, is that right? It was the radiologist? Uh-huh. Is radiologist is right. Mm-hmm. A okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so I'm remembering it correctly. And he um, said, she needs a mammogram right now. Mm. And so that I've never had a mammogram before. Right. And so I am told to go to another room, go get in front of this machine, start, you know, doing all the fun, squishy stuff with your breast. And, <laughs> and, and nobody's tricks. talking to me. It's extremely quiet. <laughs> like, it's mm-hmm. gone from blah, 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 hey, girl, <laughs> to... Mm-hmm. Now you need to go here. You need to undress here. You need to go to that room. You, you got to, uh, it just got really Instructions weird instead of conversation. Of and uh, yes. Mm-hmm. And then um, we, uh, so I've left. And it's, this is, this is when it gets kind of like a movie. You know, something really bad is happening and things were in slow motion. Yeah. And um, I just turned around. And I started to, I was walking out and I turned around. This is probably, do not anybody, nobody do this. I turn around and I start going to every room looking for the radiologist. Mm -hmm. And I find him and he's actually looking at my film because it says my name underneath the film. Oh, wow. And I said, you got to tell me, do I have cancer? Now, you can't really be diagnosed until you get a biopsy. Absolutely. And he said, you don't have big bag cancer and I don't believe I said anything to him I think I walked away and I was I remember tears just falling from my face because I realized I had cancer Mm -hmm. (laughs) and um, so then we went through the the procedure Mm -hmm. of um, I, I had a little boy at the time he was four and I remember asking God for more time so that he could remember me. Mm. That was important to me. I just remember kids when I was growing up that lost their parents and they just never were, they were never at peace. Right. And I just wanted him to experience unconditional love mm-hmm. before I left because we all leave, right? Yeah. <clears throat> I just, and that's not, you know, I, I'm in the, cancer survive, uh, cancer 
um, community now. And so it's, I, would, I do want to say that it's not as simple as a prayer. We don't have any rhyme or reason to why some people leave earlier than others. And there is no, um, you know, justification for any of the losses. Uh, <clears throat> so I don't want <laughs> to make it seem like, you know, I wished on a star. Right. <laughs> and so I'm a now 11 year survivor. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> so then um, we just, uh, we, we did the biopsy. And the whole time I am, it's, it's a few days in between the, uh, what happened that I described in the biopsy. My girlfriends took me out and they wanted me to not think about it. Mm -hmm. That didn't work. (laughs) And so I, I, so I'm just obsessing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm obsessing at that point. Um, I got my biopsy, my results, and my OBGYN. I I think she felt horrible. Um, That's but realistic. she did call me in. <laughs> yeah, I think she felt terrible, and she just explained to me that it was cancer. What we we knew, um, I was stage one. Okay. And because I was young, but I also had a. Um, I am HR positive, mm-hmm. so um, I have an aggressive type of cancer. So between being young and an aggressive type of cancer, they begged me to do chemo. Mm-hmm. I opted for a mastectomy because I didn't want to do radiology, but mm-hmm. I also didn't want to leave it in the hands of just humans we make mistakes and I just read all this research about if the margins are not clear Mm -hmm. and if you can't get all of it out and and I just thought you know what this thing is it's trying to kill me Mm -hmm. anything that's trying to kill me can go right my breasts are for feeding babies Mm -hmm. they can go so mm-hmm. I only got one taken off mm-hmm. um, and it, it did and um, it had immediate reconstruction I did pick an awesome team Wonderful. Um, <clears throat> I did leave Providence it's just a small um, hospital and I got some of the best of the best um, to take care of me Georgetown and Sibley Good. Um, specific doctors in there that I that really helped me um, emotionally of course with physically with the cancer but also my plastic surgeon was a great help with my um with my body image and my and just my recovery i think in general um but i remember my breast surgeon because you've got breast surgeon you've got reconstruct you got a reconstruction surgeon what else do you have you have your oncologist you have a you have a several people a that whole are squad going to be walking with you through that yeah yes. yeah um i had yeah I had a team there and so um <laughs> i must say my breast surgeon she is she i don't know if she still is but she was she's now like the head of the the department of, of Virginia or something like mm-hmm. that. So she transferred soon after my surgery. She's fantastic. Um, she doesn't have the best bedside manner. I'm not going to name her right now. Because <laughs> after I just got... <laughs> but she, but she There's said, always a trade-off. There's always a trade-off. You're either brilliant with no bedside manner yes. or you got the best personality, but I don't want you to touch me with a 10-foot pole. Like, that's kind of where there is no middle ground. It's one or the other. It's, I mean... I'm, I'm just saying. I promise. I'm, 
<laughs> I'm just saying. That's kind of that's kind of the, the poles that we're dealing with here. <laughs> we can hang out, but I don't really want you around thing. me in a clinical setting. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> right. Marie's construction service. There is nothing. I think he actually does like me. We we stay in touch. I I go to him all the time. That's good. He is not warm. <laughs> I do not care. <laughs> I, I look great. Yes, you look and that's fabulous. That he needs to do. That's it. Yeah, yeah thank you. But you look great no, naked, he, and I owe it all she, to you. She, <laughs> right. And he could care less. He right. just, he's doing what he's supposed to. No, he's he's awesome. Right. He truly is. But, but my breast surgeon said, she's, she looked at my film, and she said, if you wouldn't have caught this, you would have died. Wow. Again, she doesn't have the best breath. That was, that <laughs> was clear. Never. Okay. And it, it's quite scary. <laughs> but it, it was the way she looked at it. It mm-hmm. was it was almost like I understood that this particular cancer is not something you play around with. No. And how lucky and fortunate am I that I just was curious about what was going on with my my breast they just did and i used to wear a lot of wire bras so i i attributed some of the soreness to that Mm -hmm. but i was just like something just isn't feeling right and when i and i mean when i tell you that lump in a whole month must it was like a month and a day right i don't know where i i have no other uh, illnesses i have no reason to be concerned necessarily right i um and you listen. I, don't I think that's the biggest I thing more than advocate. anything else. You listened to that still small voice that said, keep going, keep inquiring, keep asking questions, keep pursuing this. And a lot of people would have ended at this isn't cancer because and all the, and all those reasons mm-hmm. based on what you just you know told us are correct. But you kept going. You kept pursuing. You took it that one step further. And I think a lot of times we do trust our providers way more than we should, especially when we don't feel right, especially when there's something that's off, especially when there's something that just doesn't let up. And you continued pursuing that. And I applaud you because a lot of times we're like, well, if they say nothing's wrong and they say I'm good, then I'm I'm good. And everybody's fallible. No one's perfect. And you continue to pursue it. You continue to listen to that voice. And that's why you're here now. So continue. A blessing. It is. And I have to say, um, the only takeaway I hope anybody gets from it is just be your advocate. Yeah. Please, please, please ask the questions. And I remember I had my oncologist, like I said, I went through some serious research. My dad's a chemist, and he actually, for his grad work, he did um, work on chemo, the chemo, mm-hmm. unfortunately, from back in the day that was um, not so good. Yeah. And um, so we, were, we worked really hard between the two of us to figure out what um, the people, what what type of research these oncologists were doing, why why, why are they in this field kind of things. We were doing interviews. So I had worked really hard to get the oncologist that I got. And right. I remember every time I did an infusion, 
she, I had another person with me that was super smart. And we would sit there and just bombard her with questions every single time. <laughs> and one time she said to me, she said, do you trust me? And I'm and the way she said it, it was almost like she was hurt. Mm-hmm. And I said, I do, but I'm not you and I'm not your daughter. Right. And I don't mean this in any harmful way, but I know what it would mean to me. Yep. If it was me, mm-hmm. you know, my child, right. my by somebody that was closer to me. So I have to consider all the things I could lose or yeah. somebody else could lose if I'm not here. Mm-hmm. And you don't have time to think about all of those things mm-hmm. for every patient. I do believe she cared a hundred percent. Yep. But it's just, you, you don't have the capacity to understand what's going on over here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you just don't. don't. You don't. <laughs> and so, and so I, the advocacy for yourself is something I cannot stress enough. Um, if it, you know, we have our insurance, we pay our bills so that we can be taken care of. Right. We have to take it. So, so chemo kicked my butt. Mm-hmm. Um, and how long was, how tell, tell was us how so, long so was bad. your chemo session? I did six infusions. I think they were six okay. weeks apart. Um, they okay. were six weeks apart. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, and I like I said, I was a little bit hesitant because I was stage one. Typically with stage one, you don't have to, but because of my age and the type, they really wanted to throw everything at it. Um, what was your official it, diagnosis? Uh, stage one. What was it? Uh, of course, it was H. Our, her two positive. Her stage two positive. One. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I and my receptors were fed by estrogen. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think that's gotcha. how that works, and mm-hmm. so um, I so I can no longer take anything in like birth control can't be estrogen, you know, estrogen or anything like that. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm done with that because that's what fed my cancer. Right. Wow. Um, and so mastectomy first. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like I said, they do an immediate reconstruction. When I was at Providence, I went to their, um, their cancer surgeon. He's very old. He's been doing it for a very long time. He did not do reconstruction, for, um, at the same time. He's okay. just like, you know, and I, again, another person was not so great. That's my banner. I said to him, I said, am I going to die? He said, if it goes somewhere else, you will. Thanks pal. <laughs> Like, I don't know where it is, sir. Right. <laughs> so, so I don't, so, yeah, I, that was, that was a little stressful. Right. <laughs> but it was time for me to move on. Yeah. <laughs> Find some that more was a warning slide. This phase, this phase, our bar relationship is over. Thank you for playing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we went, so I had to think of some other um, options, but yes. The mastectomy was, of course, hard on me, but they they give you so much medication yeah. at the beginning that you don't really realize how much pain you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, when you do the reconstruction, it's a process. Yeah, it's not as simple as you're all set. You got all, and you've got so many options. And now that because I'm in the breast cancer community, like I said, 
I even hear more than when I was um, diagnosed 11 years ago. So, mm. so many different ways to try to feel normal after such an invasive surgery. So it's, right. it's like, again, I think it's helpful for you in general. Yeah. If and I know I know several people that don't even want to be reconstructed. Right. And right. I love Definitely. that. I whatever makes you feel good, I'm all about it. So and I think there's like a How did push you make that, that decision for yourself? What was their thought process when given those options to go make the decision? I mean, you spoke about how you made the decision to have a mastectomy, but then how did you make the decision knowing that it was still gonna be a process? to now go undergo reconstruction? I think when you're a young cancer survivor, but I think it may be for everybody, but you still want to feel like you're in your thirties. Mm. I wasn't mm -hmm. ready to give up my physical appearance as I knew it. Right. Um, Again, I know people that were young survivors that decided to just completely let go of their breasts and had mm -hmm. wonderful babies afterwards. But right. for me, that was my choice. It was just simply, I'm not, I, it's very difficult to look in the mirror cause they're, um, and not see what I'm used to. What you're accustomed and, to. Yeah. yeah. So I decided, and I, I, I got a nipple sparing mastectomy. So, mm -hmm. um, that also helps with me feeling normal. Right. Um, but I knew that it would be uh, a beat down. Right. I already am going through trauma, a traumatic experience. So I felt like, you know what, let's just, let's put, let's do it all at once. Let's put all the trauma together. <laughs> let's, let's really pile the traumas together, making sure we do this all at one time. Kick me when I'm all the way down. So then when I get up, I'm really up, but like really hit yeah. me. I get right. you. I can understand that. I, I listen, I understand the thought process. I get it. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. So how far from mastectomy, or from, okay, let's start this way. How from diagnosis, the day you went in, things weren't on the up and up. You know, it was like about six weeks, maybe a month and a half from the time you knew something was off to the time you actually, okay, got that first, you know, sonogram that, okay, something's off. Then you had the mastectomy. How far from mastectomy to radiation to now reconstruction? Where, where are we in terms of time frame? Interesting. So I, I, so I remember April 21st, 2010 is when I got diagnosed. Okay. I forget that date. I do not remember the day that I, I did not do radiology, radiology radiation. Because, radiation. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Like, that don't sound right. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, um, I did not do that because um, I got a mastectomy. Right. Um, and so I, you can opt, well, you can't necessarily choose sometimes. Um, some people get chemo first. I got mm -hmm. chemo in, I started in August and I finished okay. in December. Gotcha. Uh, but the, my mastectomy was soon after. Okay. And I remember wanting that out of me. But sometimes you want to see, like, especially if your cancer is big, you want to see if chemo is working. Working. Mm -hmm. And so um, they'll take images of the tumor um, while you're going through chemo to see if they're actually it's doing its job. Right. Mine was less than an inch. <clears throat> mm -hmm. I think it was one. I can't remember, but yeah. I, but it's less than an inch. So, um, 
they just felt like just take it mm-hmm. now and do, do chemo later. And I was dragging my feet on chemo too because I wanted somebody like a Dalai Lama slash like Western <laughs> doctor to <laughs> come in and say just from wherever he could have just, yeah. just came up to me <laughs> and said, you don't need chemo because mm-hmm. um, I've done the research just yesterday came out mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yep. you know, so I was waiting for something to, to justify me and my concerns about um, right. having chemo, especially at such a, a early stage. Mm-hmm. So chemo kicked my butt. And I started in August. First time, um, my hair didn't fall out. I didn't cut it like some people mm-hmm. do. I, I just like, it's never going to be okay. <laughs> so right. I, yeah. Yeah. And I had a, a ton, a ton of hair. And so um, I went and got my hair done. I got to blow it out right after chemo. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sick yet. <laughs> okay. And so I was just like, wow, this is so, you know, I really appreciate my hair because I always had a ton of hair mm-hmm. and never cared about hair. So right. it's always in a ponytail, even though mm-hmm. I had a ton of it. <laughs> <laughs> and so I started to get hair envy. I just used to watch. I never paid attention to these things. I would watch right. people and their hair would be just, moving in the wind and so and I'm like wow Mm -hmm. I never even thought about how wonderful this stuff is and so and so when it finally I think it was the second um treatment and I got you get sick about the third day after chemo okay um for me at least and then you're out for a couple days for sure Mm -hmm. you're you're you barely are making it you barely put your head up and um that was so the second time is when my hair came out mm-hmm. and it came out as if it never was attached to my head. So wow. it just, it yeah. would just, it would just fall. Um, wow. and I just touch it and it would just go. Yeah. And, um, that was the, the, the wonderful thing about it is I didn't know how bad I looked. I knew I looked bad. <laughs> I knew I looked bad, but I didn't know I was casket ready. I looked bad. Like, <laughs> I looked, I had a gray tint <laughs> to mm. my face, or to my body. And I mean, when you don't have eyebrows. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's that next level of scary. <laughs> and I'm yeah. still just walking around talking to people. <laughs> like, she don't just even look. know, y'all. She don't even know yet. She don't even I, know, y'all. Yeah. And I don't know what kind of moms y'all have, but my mother is quite critical. And so my mother was withholding criticism. So I knew it was bad. <laughs> when your mom is finally having mercy, you're like, oh, yeah, we, we really hit rock bottom. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, and, and I don't wear wigs or fake hair at all. Right. And so... Um, we went, me and my girlfriends, we went wig shopping and we, mm-hmm. I didn't know, I should have probably spent some money on some wigs, but I got like the $20 wigs. We, and we had a blast and we, they had names and all that. So I had this one Bob and there were things that I would never do to my hair. So I was really <laughs> excited about this. And, um, my, I, I had this one Bob anyways. One day I'm talking to my mom and I'm like, mom, why didn't you tell me that my wig was twisted wrong? She said, I, she said, I just didn't want to say anything. <laughs> so not only did I look crazy, because I'm gray now. 
<laughs> but now I have a uh, my part is in like the the wrong space. <laughs> And I have a plastic wig on. <laughs> I, it was, I was, <laughs> it was it all wasn't work. good. No. But you know, I was happy to be alive, you know? <laughs> perspective, perspective. <laughs> I mean, you get to perspective real quick. You have the yeah. ability to go wig shopping. You, that didn't have to be that way. Yeah, I, I, listen, I'm picking up what you're putting down. I really am, yes. Yeah. And I wish and, you could, and I wish everyone could see the richness of your smile as you're recounting this because it's bringing, it's getting me emotional because I do know you personally. I was emotional with you as you were talking about your son and what that could have been. But now looking at you and seeing you and smiling, like your smile is like, it's always infectious. But now seeing that smile, even as you're recounting and laughing and being able to tell this aspect, that's like the definition of healing. Like it's not, not only is the cancer not with you, but the damage that cancer could have done is not with you. And we'll get into that a little bit more, but like that just, I had to pause because I was like, that smile of yours is, it's radiant. And it's not just that outside, it's coming from the inside. And I wish people could see that because that's amazing as well. Continue on with your wigs. They just, you just do not understand the, what's behind the smiles. Like the gratitude is so real. But um, one other thing that was really pivotal, first of all, my friends in my community were incredible. I am the type of person that never asked for anything. I do not... I, you know, I, it's too much to unpack, <laughs> but I, that is how I've, I've been all my yeah. life mm-hmm. and ke- cancer put me down. And it was, yeah. one, it was the first time I was like, I'm just going to have to ask. Yeah. And I didn't really have to ask, which was crazy. It was almost like everybody that I've had in my life wanted to do something, but they mm-hmm. knew my personality and never mm-hmm. felt comfortable stepping in because I, I, you I always was, had it. Yeah, I was too yeah. much of a control freak, and it just may have been a difficult thing for them to broach. So mm-hmm. I, I always, when I say almost every single day, if not every day, I had something on my porch, whether it was a letter, a box. Yeah. I always um, had people at the um, infusion. People bought Scrabble. We bought games. We laughed so hard. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we had but. Um, there was two things that were fantastic. And if you are a survivor or you don't know what to do for your friends, this is one of the things that touched me so much. One of my girlfriends who's crazy about gardening, she um, went behind my back and asked for donations for all kinds of flowers and whatever, mm-hmm. um, you know, like, I don't know anything about gardening. So, but I try <laughs> the stuff that grows outside kind of stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so she self-maintaining. Put, yes. <laughs> yeah. So they put, uh, they, they surprised me. They, I left and I came back and somebody was taking me somewhere and come back. There's a bunch of people in my yard. They are putting beautiful flowers and bushes or whatever outside. So when I'm sick, I can at least go outside and see some beauty. Mm -hmm. Um, That was incredible. Um, We also prepared meals and we made Mm -hmm. bone marrow soup and all these crazy things that we found on um, 
fighting cancer um, <clears throat> books, you know, um, prepared lots of meals that would get me back in shape, electrolytes and mm -hmm. blood cell, all these wonderful things so that even though I didn't have any appetite yeah. and I was, I was unable to sleep, I um, would at least have some prepared situations that I could take some bites of so that I right. wouldn't lose any weight because, I mean, you can't lose a pound or two. The, the myth that, you know, you just lose weight on chemo. Now, different stages of cancer, that's a whole different story. Absolutely. But um, <clears throat> is, is, it's no more like that. You know, you, they right. do stuff for your nausea. They do stuff for um, weight gain because they are very, very serious about you not losing any weight. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so I had to eat or I would have been hospitalized. Right, right. And I didn't want that. So and you there want, was that was all a part these... of the story. That was a part of the program. <laughs> no, uh -uh. no, no. Mm -hmm. I, I did have to go to the emergency room a couple of times. Um, one time I passed out at the metro. I was coming to going to work too soon. Um, mm -hmm. and tell you about I was like, uh-huh. I was like, no, that sounds like you. Oh, <laughs> I can that? do this. I haven't eaten. I don't have any appetite. I got no energy, but I can go to the work and take the metro. <laughs> Sure. Let me tell you about the metro, though. Let me tell you about DC. So I'm laying on the bench. <laughs> I don't know how many pa trains passed me before somebody's like, "Are you okay?" <laughs> I mean, who lays on the bench? Apparently, a lot of people. <laughs> so nobody was affected by the fact that homeless I was people. <laughs> I'm inside the train, though, y'all. Like I done made it inside. <laughs> I'm at the platform, y'all. Nobody oh. cares. <laughs> but you know, I did look oh, crazy. No. So going through people's heads. They're like, she might be more dangerous to us than we are to her. Who knows? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I looked up several times. I was like, that's another train, and nobody has said a thing. <laughs> I cannot move, y'all. <laughs> And there was a lady on the bench. It wasn't even like it was a passerby. So like she was there for a minute. She's like, do you need help? Like, you I, ma'am, <laughs> are you kidding me right now? Like, it was so embarrassing. I had to come out in a stretcher. It was horrible. Like that oh was. Oh my god! I, yeah, Wait, they had to take you bad. out of the metro in a stretcher? <laughs> oh no, oh, Christine! No, no. <laughs> Oh, no. It was horrible. So don't oh do that. God. Yeah. <laughs> also, <laughs> healing takes time. It too is a process. Probably it's not the time to venture out into the world of DC Metro when you're undergoing treatment. Okay. <laughs> Nobody told me. <laughs> they didn't tell you that you couldn't. You're exactly right. I understand. Yeah. They didn't say no. That was not on your forbidden things to do list. <laughs> So Meanwhile, that, that back when everyone that has common sense knows that that's not the thing to do. Yeah, <laughs> pretty freaking much. So that was that was um, that was terrible. <sighs> and, and then you know, like if you're dehydrated, you'll end up going to the hospital or something. That like that. that will too send you to yeah. the emergency room. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. but for the most part, it was um, you know, uh, my I was young enough that my white blood cells would come back quite fast. 
Great. I didn't do the Nulesta, but one time it's very painful, but it is mm -hmm. an incredible um, way to get your white blood cells back up. <clears throat> Great. Um, so I could recover within the normal um, time of recovery. Good. Um, <clears throat> but it was it was pretty bad. You know, the infusion, yeah. the chemo, it's, it's horrible. And right. There is no other way around it. There is no yeah. good chemo. Um, it it hurts. It's it's it 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 takes so much out of you. Right. Um, you don't even know you you especially if you're at the earliest stages, you've never been sick. Right. Yeah. So the sickest you'll be is going through treatment, which is that exactly. Yeah. Hindsight being twenty twenty. Is there anything you wish you would have known prior to your diagnosis? There's nothing you can do to prepare for it. I would have loved to know that I would be susceptible to it, that a 30-year-old healthy person can get it, that a marathon work, uh, uh, runner can get it, a vegetarian right. can get it, that... Right there is no one that is safe. So mm -hmm. I, I self-exams are important. Obviously, I yeah. was already doing that. But mm -hmm. honestly, if I could have just known about my mortality, mm -hmm. I think I would have done things differently. And to your point about just gratitude and the smile, one of the things is, sure, I'm thankful for being on the other side of it, hopefully for a very long time. But yeah. I also don't care about the things that I used to care about anymore. Mm, like what? I, um, grudges. Mm. <laughs> um, I have a lot of forgiveness for a lot of things. Right. It's not... Excuse me. Um, I'm so sorry. It's okay. Um... Letting go of my past. Mm. Um, my life was quite hard. Yeah. And I had a chip on my shoulder. Mm. For sure. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Um, just the, the thought of losing all that I've worked hard for. Yeah. And um, the, the, the things that I love, the people I love. Right. And if there was any way that I could help it, and I think stress is a real thing, <laughs> it can kill you. I think that um, the matters of the heart can affect you in serious ways. Yep. There's a book that I don't recommend people reading unless they're really ready for it, but it's called The Body Keeps the Score. Mm -hmm. There is real, there, there, there's, there, yeah. there could be real damage with yep. um, the way that we think. Yep. Um, and so it's not like, I, it's, I might, I'm a little aggressive when it comes to work. Maybe that's where I get all my, <laughs> my stuff out. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> but as far as, um, you know, my family stuff or, you know, I, I let a lot of stuff, a lot more go. Now, I'm not yeah. always on list of go. I can't say I will. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, You're human. You're still human. <laughs> yeah. But it, it, I'm so much lighter. Yeah. I'm much, much lighter. And I think you touched on emotions 
and unresolved emotions, not just emotions and feelings in and of themselves, but unresolved emotions mm -hmm. as a cause of disease. And a lot of times we're thinking about, you know, the food we eat, which is true. The exercise we don't do, also true. But the grudges, the unrelenting, undying stress, not that stuff that like, oh, I have a presentation this week and it's crunch time, but like stress is a way of life the unresolved emotions, whether that be the fear, the anger, the bitterness, the grief, whatever it is, that worry that just doesn't ever resolve and it becomes a state of being. We don't talk about those things as a cause of disease. And until we let some of those things go, they're gonna be disease processes that continue to fester and grow and they show up as cancer, as fibroids, as endometriosis, as a whole bunch of different other things. And then our lifestyles, on top of that, on top of the emotions, I don't know which comes first, the chicken or the egg, just continue to propagate that. And just you mentioning it, that you even realized that some of that stuff was stuff that you could let go of. That means you don't have to get a diagnosis to let go of some things. That means you're capable of doing it now. And now is the time. Like right now is the time. Let some of that stuff go. You're not adding years to your life by holding on to that. You're literally taking years away from your life. And so thank you for bringing up that emotional component. As a practitioner, I have been blessed and I've been fortunate to hear several survivor stories and I love that aspect of my job. And some of those stories come with a feel like a failure coupled with shame component. Did any of those things, did you even have time to feel shame, to feel like a failure in terms of not catching it, not doing the right enough, not doing enough, not being there? Did any of that ever pop into your head or did you have any of those feelings? Um, to be honest, and I don't know if I've ever communicated it this way, but... Um, I kept my diagnosis uh, very secret. Mm. Only a very few people knew. Right. One is because I was still going through a custody battle, believe it or not. And mm -hmm. um, I didn't want that to have anything to do. Any with, impact, yeah. Yeah. So, but there was also, I didn't want to, I didn't want to be, a, I didn't want to console everybody while mm -hmm. I was already trying to survive. But I also right. did it. I didn't want shame. I didn't mm. want pity. I hate right. pity. I hate pity. Yeah. I just wanted to get through it. And I think mm -hmm. that was the way that I managed the shame was to only tell the very, very closest of people. Yeah. So I'm talking about like less than 10 people. It mm -hmm. took me about five years or so before I announced it on Facebook as something to just warn people. Right. Um, you know, that, you know, anybody can get a diagnosed. And I, what, I wasn't doing it. I wanted to help people and I would help people if they said, hey, I have a friend or I saw right. a, um, a post, but right, I just right. needed to manage the reputation that mm -hmm. I felt may be connected to right. me. You know, I mm -hmm. don't know. You know, a lot of people think a lot of things about my resilience and I liked yeah that right. image and I and I and I was weak I was very weak in that moment in so many ways so I was trying to avoid 
all the vulnerability. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's a part of it. And I think sometimes in that you made it again, made a good decision to look out for number one and having that close knit group. Sometimes everything is not meant for everyone because not everybody who, you know, is praying for you is praying for you or mm-hmm. praying, you know, praying, they're praying about you, mm-hmm. not for your healing or for any, but they're, they're, they're praying, but they're not mm-hmm. praying the same prayers, the same type of prayers, things of that nature. And so literally keeping that group intimate also, not everything is made for everybody to be privy to and making that decision for yourself is also very smart. And I think a lot of times, especially in this age of social media, it's, you know, everything is always, you know, stuff that doesn't always need to be put on social media. It's okay to let keep some things close hold so that you can manage them before you start processing it for, you know, followers and views and likes and subscribes and all those things. Some things are just meant for in real life people so they can deal with the in real life component that no one on social media is going to have to deal with as, as you go through what you're going through. So each day is a survivor story as you live, breathe, and engage in your life. How did you overcome or recover and how are you now maximizing your life? Oh, I do it up. Let's be bigger. I lead a charmed life. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. But no, um, if I could just stop working, but, Uh (laughs) but, um, the, um, Recovery again. It was it. What I think it was. It was something in December. One of uh, a survivor friend of mine, my best survivor friend, if that's what you want to call it. We uh, we ended at the same time. It mm-hmm. was just a mad. It took about a month truly to start to feel some normalcy. Um, right. As soon as I got a stubble of hair mm-hmm. that was even, I yeah. took off the wigs. Uh-huh. <laughs> because, because I I looked cra- you know a lot of men approached me when I was bald headed <laughs> and <laughs> so I don't know what to do with that information you're like and what do I do with that right <laughs> that, like short for me used to be like I'm like oh, I chop my hair off and it'd be shoulder length shoulder length <laughs> so, right. Mm-hmm. right I'm not exactly sure what to do with that information but I mean I just I the no it just was, means you fine no matter what your your hair literally doesn't define you just one of those people who fine <laughs> as fine as wine no matter what you just you got it like that you got you're it like right. that you're right but. <laughs> but no I I just I we did I did a spa I've done um I've done rest. Uh, I, I travel. I travel mm-hmm. a lot. Right. I, when I get to those places where it gets tense, when it gets too much, I do disconnect. There's you know yeah. that little getaway place mm-hmm. that's in Virginia. I have right. ran there to mm-hmm. get perspective because when I when I tell you that life is so normal again, I yeah. could easily go back to being bitter or holding yes. grudges or acting like today is, um, isn't a gift, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, get a little too familiar. And I remember that, you know, the goal here is to have, um, a really abundant life. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm here for, what is it? A long, a good time, not a long time. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> and so I, I genuinely, um, 
I, I, I put effort into the, I, I quit my job. That's okay. another thing I did. Yeah. I quit my job soon after um, I was recovered because, you know, and I, I um, had great insurance, mm-hmm. best insurance because I had that kind of job. Yeah. Um, I was incredibly unhappy there. Mm. And mm. I wanted to pick up my son from school. It was something yeah. that, that I was just like, I just want to be there for his milestones. I was a stay-at-home mm-hmm. mother prior to um, separating. And um, so I got to see his first walk. I got to see his first walk, things like that. But then, you know, you got to work when you decide you want to um, do things differently. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I did as best as I could for the first couple of years of just kind of staying involved but I needed a lot of um, resources. So I was working hard and I used to right. actually leave my office and cry. Mm. And I would, I started slowly before diagnosis. I used to take things off of my desk and bring them <laughs> home. And I was like, one day it's only going to be like two things there. So like mm-hmm. when I'm ready to leave, just pick you up swing your purse across your shoulder, <laughs> throw up the deuces and be out. <laughs> Yep. So I had yep. less than a box of things already. <laughs> so, so I just, I decided to really set out and do something that was crazy. I work, work for myself. I do not mm-hmm. come from a family of entrepreneurs. Right. I do not have a ton of money. And so I was really, really taking a leap, but I could right. now because I understood what it's like to be a desk store. I really wow. got an opportunity to know what it means when you're like, oh, yeah. life is short. And so I, Absolutely. so I was like, forget this. What if I, God forbid, I'm out of here sooner than mm-hmm. later. My right. son, you know, my, I, I'm like, I'm panicking when he's sick because yeah. I got to call these people up and tell them <laughs> that I can't mm-hmm. come in. Then I got to send a letter. And maybe if, if he's sick for more than one day, I got to call the doctor so that they can prove that he's sick. Like that's right. stressful. And then mm-hmm. when I get back, I'm going to have 5 million things that I have to do. Yeah. Um, and all the while sick. being immunocompromised. <laughs> so stress is not helping you anyway. Yeah. Like you are having, now you have to manage that you have had a, yes, it's been addressed. You're, you know, in the process of healing from it, but you are in now a special subset, a category now where you can't take it, um, certain things for granted anymore. You can't just like act like the, you know, things are okay and you, because you are in that now a special population and just doing things and going about your business the same way things were before diagnosis isn't advantageous. Mm-hmm. And, and you get these reminders like life insurance will take you. Mm-hmm. Five years later from, um, five years later they will, some people will start taking you, but it's those reminders that like you really you really don't have it to give. <laughs> you just don't have this. <laughs> no, you're, yeah. and I'm not. I'm not giving it to you. Like I'm not yeah. taking. You know, I'm going to the field trips. I'm going to be mm-hmm. the room mom. Um, I'm gonna. You know, I'm going. To, I don't know how I'm going to do it, uh, but I'm going. I'm going to be successful in this career too. Right. And sometimes it was ridiculous because I'm picking my son up and I'm taught I'm working the whole time while we're driving, but he's with me. Right. <laughs> he, he knows. <yeah>. He, 
Yeah. <laughs> and so, but that's what um, you were fighting for, have being able to have that time. Mm-hmm. And it's the time that you needed to carve out, and you got creative with it, creative with how you spent that time. Now he's getting to see what mommy does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe that wasn't what you painted up or how you drew it up, but it's time that you have with your son that you wouldn't have had otherwise. Yeah. Now you get to be the author of how you cultivate and curate that relationship. And that's a gift. It is. And it's sincerely not because of money. And that Mm -hmm. was something that only would have dawned on me with the diagnosis. Like, this is a, it's such a privileged place to be in, but it's sincerely sacrificed and me just having a totally different perspective. It had zero to do with resources. I just made a way out of no way because there is no more, these are, that's not a choice to to run mm-hmm. myself into the ground and die. That's just right. No, there, that's no longer an option. It's not an mm-hmm. option, period. Mm-hmm. So how, now that you're like looking back and you're seeing all the things, you can go back 11 years. What are, are there any resources that you can recommend for any of our listeners? I know you mentioned The Body Keeps the Score. Again, it's a great book. Um, who want to know more about breast health, healing from breast cancer. Are there any specific resources that you utilize on your health, wellness, and healing journey? Um, yes. There's a book by a, I want to say a neurosurgeon. Hold on okay. a second. Mm-hmm. And, oh gosh, what's the book name? When Breath Becomes Air. When Breath Becomes Air. Okay. Here's the cancer. There's another cancer. There is um, one, uh, uh, there's a, find any cookbook that's cancer related. Okay. Um, okay. I don't, I do not subscribe to, you have to be a vegetarian. Um, okay. At all. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't believe that either, but any, I'm so, so I'm glad you said that. I was like, okay. I mean, when people go with it, I'm like, I'm going with it, with you go with it, but that's not my philosophy. So I'm glad that you reinforced that. <laughs> there's a book called cancer fighting kitchen. I love the recipes in there. Okay. Um, there is, let's see if I can find this one. There was this one guy. He is so amazing. He is a neurosurgeon. He found his own, um, brain cancer. Mm. I think it's called anti-cancer. Anti-cancer. Okay. Yeah. And he, it's just, it's just so awesome. Uh, right. and he got diagnosed, diagnosed twice and wow. he does, uh, yeah, he, and so basically just figuring out what your life, what, what your uh, prognosis is and mm-hmm. then like beating that, beating that. <laughs> like yeah. just the smart ways about approaching it. So it's, um, there, any kind of book that emphasizes everything, Mm-hmm. Of course, Western medicine, I do believe in some of that, um, yep. but also your diet, exercise, sun, like vitamin yeah. D being so important. Like those are the type of books I read and yeah. I incorporate, I was a little bit on the extreme at first, like, no, we need the granolas with the <laughs> anti-sulfate um, mangoes and the, <laughs> like it was, it was getting real mm-hmm. scary. Yeah. <laughs> And, and you know, but knowledge, you, knowledge is a weapon yeah. sometimes for evil. <laughs> right. 
like all the green tea. I remember one of my cancer friends was like, girl, I've been drinking green tea all, like for like twice a day before a diagnosis. You, that ain't it. <laughs> so cause I was like, okay, I'll just stop drinking as much. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. You don't have to drink it like water. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, you, you go back to the middle, you know, eventually, yeah. but the, the, any, all the, the books that I read, anti-cancer, uh, cancer fighting kitchen, incredible, um, ideas about, because those books tell you why this is a cancer fighting, mm-hmm. um, food, or right. spice, yeah. you know, turmeric or whatever. And, and and how you can actually absorb the food, like what it needs right. to, what type of heat it needs in order for mm-hmm. it to actually become um, healthy. Something your body your can body. use. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, those, I, I, I just ate all that stuff up. I really did. I, yeah. I soaked it all in. It was so interesting to me because I don't come from that. Mm-hmm. I, I've, I have an African-American and Latino background. We right. eat what we want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> and most of that stuff ain't cancer fighting. I'll put it that way. It's cancer causing. Let's I just be say. real. <laughs> now, yeah. I, when I see Jesus, I'm going to ask him. And it, it might have been the corner store. <laughs> it might have been the corner store. It might have been the bodega. That's what got you. That's what got you. It could have been. <laughs> it could have been. Because those 10 cent... <laughs> I just don't see it for me. And those, your taste buds change when you start to really um, adapt to a different way of living. Yes. Um, You you can't have all that sugar. You Mm -mm. can't. Because your body doesn't technically need it. But we are like, oh, I have a craving for this. And instead of feeding our bodies what it's actually wanting and needing and desiring, it's just easier to get the candy or the something that's sweet or something else that's right there and easy versus like, do you just really need some high quality protein? Like what is it that your body actually wants, can need, what does it need and what it can actually use? And that takes that next step. And a lot of us, we're just, we're ready for that instant thing. And yeah. sometimes that instant thing is the, is the very thing that we don't need. Yeah. Thank you for highlighting that. Last uh-huh. question. Yes, ma'am. Any parting <laughs> words of wisdom? That's it. Like, we, I mean, while you were saying those beautiful words about bitterness and letting things go, I'm praying over everybody that's listening because those words hit my spirit. Um, and that was the only thing that I wish I would have known is that I'm, I'm making myself sicker mm-hmm. by holding yeah. on to the things that I need, that I've already been instructed through my faith to let go. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and in a very practical way, it's, yeah. it does nothing. It serves no one. Right. All right. No more needs to be said. There you have it, everyone. Christine Walker, thank you for sharing your story. Not only was it empowering, it really delved into and helped us paint a picture of a a full-blown survivor story. And some of us don't know survivors or don't know that we know survivors. And hearing you talk about you know, everything from pre to diagnosis, through your treatment, and all the way through the healing aspect, has been truly amazing. It's been an emotional ride just for this last hour, and I appreciate you sharing with us. I appreciate you so much. Thank you for thinking of me. I'm happy to, uh, anytime, ask, and I will do anything to help you, okay? All right. Thank you so much, hon. Take a look at the show notes for more information about today's guest, links to the website, contact information, and social media channels. 
We really hope you enjoyed our conversation today. Think about one gem you can take away from this episode and apply it to your own life. Also, please take a moment to like the episode, subscribe to the channel, comment, and share with your family, friends, and colleagues. Till we meet again, remember to nourish your flourish and see you real soon. Salud!